0: Very poignant application. We good? All right. Book of James. James chapter 5, verse 16. says this, Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Verse 17 continues on the thought. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Verse 18. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. So now let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. And what we're going to do is we're going to explore that little statement um, and as we know through the scriptures that things written aforetime were written for our learning. And so some things that we like to really just consider this evening, and if you like taking notes, our notes tonight is entitled, Prayer Paired with Practicality. Prayer Paired with Practicality. And at 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30, says this. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribe of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. Verse thirty-two of first Kings chapter eighteen. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood of, um, in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran about the altar And he filled the trench also with water. Prayer paired with practicality. First point for us tonight is simply this. There needs to be preparation before prayer. There needs to be preparation before prayer. Um, Oftentimes when we come to church, we sing songs. And those times of songs and the songs that we sing ought to be in our hearts just permeating before we get into a time of preaching or even a time of prayer. There's an importance in regards to that. We, we spoke about that a little bit last week. But there needs to be preparation before prayer. And verse 30 says this, And Elijah said unto the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And it, it doesn't say, And he told them to, to, to repair the altar. Is that, what they, well, is that what the Bible says? No. He says, it says this, And he repaired the altar. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Andrew Murray In his book, With Christ in the School of Prayer, writes, Jesus never taught his disciples how to preach, only how to pray. The disciples have been with Christ. They've seen him pray. They had learned to understand something of a connection between his wondrous uh, life in public and his secret life of prayer. They had learned to believe in him as master in the art of prayer. None could pray like him. And so they came to him with the request, Lord, Teach us to pray. Do you want to know who, who um, do you want to know the secret of being a, a godly person in your life? Prayer. Do you want to know how people can stand up behind this pulpit right here and, and preach some great sermons and, and speak to you about the Bible and really just open up the Bible like you've never seen it before? Do you know how he, they've done that? They've done that because they're prepared in prayer. There needs to be a preparation before you pray. And sometimes if we're not careful, even tonight, church, and I know um, Wednesday night is a time of prayer, we understand that, and I know everyone here prays at least once a week. But if we're not careful, we can just let things come aside and, and, and just allow the altar to be, to be broken down, and not the sense that you're not using it, not the sense that it's just falling apart because it's exposed to nature, but to the point where you're, you're not reverencing it the way that we should. Does that make sense? You're not, you're not putting the, 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 the truth behind your prayer. And the practicality of prayer really stems firstly that we need to prepare for prayer. Before Elijah prayed, there was a repairing of the altar that was broken. And see, the passages that we're just reading um, is really coincides with uh, what we read in the book of James. Um, the beginning of the book James talked about how he was like passions as we are and he prayed and the rain stopped this happened midway through understand at this point the rain had not come down it's already been three and a half years and the rain hasn't come down yet and at this point he's challenging um, the, the prophets of Baal on the Mount of Carmel at this point everyone's weary they're thirsty they've gone probably paying a lot of money for water there was preparations that needed to be made. Not only did he prepare the altar, but if you look through from verses 32 to 35, there's a couple of things that he did. He he took a set of 12 stones. He took a set of 12 stones to represent the tribes. And this will all make sense um, when he prays, okay? Just just keep that in mind. He gets the 12 stones and he represents the, the 12 tribes of Israel. And now he's placed it in an altar and into this, to this, um, um, I guess, monument right there. Not only did he take 12 stones, he, he makes a trench. Again, not, the people didn't make this. He did. The prophet did this. Elijah did this. It continues on. He made a trench, and there was a certain width of the trench. And then he had to either cut the wood, but place the wood in a certain place. Not only that after he's done that work he takes, he takes the, the bullock this cow and it, the Bible easily passes through what he did it just, it, it's interesting how, how they do this um, in verse 33 said this First um, uh, Kings 18 and he put the wood in order and it says this and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on, on the wood And for us, it seems like that's very easy to do. but If you've ever carved anything, if you've ever cut meat, it's a very difficult process. There was work, there was labor, labor before the prayer. And it's interesting because he says something to to the people, and he says this, um, and said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the what? Read what the Bible says, it says here, pour it on the raw meat. Is that what it says? It says, pour it on the burnt sacrifice. Read your Bible. That's what it says. To him, God's already answered the prayer. To him, he's already understood that this pieces of meat, this bullet, this sacrifice, is not, is not going to be raw by the end of it. It's going to be a burnt sacrifice by faith. He's already prepared himself by faith. You guys see that? It's just so amazing how God does that, eh? How how God sometimes, in his power and in his majesty, he allows us to be partakers of something. And by faith, we, we take the step and God provides. That's what Elijah just did. That's exactly how Elijah acted. Why? Because there was preparation before prayer. There will be times in our life when we will need to renew and repair our altar. See, today we don't have these monuments, but we have this. Today we, um, we can look good on the outside, but really, in all essence, we could be shamefully broken and, and torn apart inside. And if we're not careful, we'll go to prayer the way that we always do and not recognize how holy, how precious, how amazing this activity is. And we don't go to it in in faith. Sometimes we say things because we say things. Like, I love you because we just say I love you every time we see each other. But the value in preparation allows you to see in faith. Let's continue on. So there's preparation before prayer. And there's a posture of the prayer. There's a posture of the prayer in verse 36. You're doing well tonight. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Verse 37, hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. The posture of prayer. There's a Bible evidence whether Elijah was standing up or sitting down or kneeling when he prayed. No, it doesn't. But there are certain things that came out of his mouth that, that show me as a student of the Word of God and should show you as a student of the Word of God that Elijah was, had a posture that said less of me and more of thee. I want you guys to see this. Um, It says this um, in verse 36. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. There are many commentators that that would state certain things about this, but I was reading throughout this week about it, and one of the commentators stated this. uh, This time he chose, so this is talking about Elijah, he chose this time that he might unite his prayers with the prayers of godly Jews at Jerusalem, who at that time assembled together to pray? He waited until the others would be praying, and so at that time he prayed. It's, it's a really cool concept if you ever think about it. It's like the sweet-smelling um, savor that goes up into the air, and the more and more candles that you have, or the more and more um, um, what do you call this, essential oils you dip into that water, many drops you hit, it permeates the room even more. And he said to himself, you know what, the best time to do this, it's the time of the evening sacrifice, because I know my brothers and my sisters will be praying. Does that, does that make sense? Th- there was a posture in his prayer. I- I'm just one of them. I'm just, I'm just a servant. I'm no one, I- I'm no better than anybody else here. God has just used me to be a voice, uh, a mouthpiece. God has used me to do some miracles, but in all essence, God, you are God. And he makes this statement. He says, you, you are um, you're Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel. He makes that statement. When he's praying, everybody around him is listening. They've just watched him um, do all the things that they're repairing of the altar. They've just watched him put the wood on, um, slaughter the, the, the bullock. Um, they just poured three times water all over the ground. And they heard him say, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel. He said, what's the big deal about that? Well, he's just reminding them that they're they're there because of God. Uh, Let me remind us, as he talks and he prays to God, he's actually reminding everybody else. You're the God of Abraham, Isaac. You're, You're our history. Because of you, we have this history. But it's interesting, he builds on that concept, and he goes a little bit more and says, let it be known this day, let it be known this day, that thou art God in Israel. So the first thing, you have to understand that as he postures in prayer, uh, the Lord was, was, he was a Lord of the past generations. But then he also prayed, as he prayed, he showed the relevance of God in this day. God, you've done some miraculous things in the past. God, you've done some great things in the last 25 years, but I understand your, your immense power of what you've done in the past, but today you are still our God. You are the, the God that will allow us to do far more greater things, will allow us to do um, things that our, our forefathers could not do. God, you're the God of today. You see that posture? It's beautiful. We'll continue on. It says here, um, he actually positioned himself in servanthood, and I mentioned that a little bit earlier, that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. You see his posture. He's not saying, look at me, I prayed, and three years later, man, you guys are still looking for water. It hasn't rained yet. He didn't say that. He said, so that they understand that I'm your servant, and everything I've done was because you told me to do it. The restraining of, of rain, the challenge with the prophets of Baal, the water that was poured was God's direction and not himself. Because sometimes it's easy to point at a man and say, they're successful because of that man. It's very easy to do that. It's like many, of, uh, many, many people in business, right? Um, you're, 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 hitting, you're hitting your goals, you're doing great things, and people can look at you and say, because of you, You know, we're making this much money. Congratulations. But Elijah didn't want that state. Elijah wanted to to say, you know what, God? I'm just a servant of you. I'm nobody. I'm not even doing it in my own power. This power is from you. And so his posture of prayer has always been, as he prayed this prayer, was about God. God, you are the God of our history, but you are the God of today. God, you're the God of my life, and you're the one leading me to do the things I'm doing now. But let's look at this last bit of his prayer. He says this in verse 37. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their hearts back again. So what's, what's such a big deal about that? Elijah stated his purpose. His purpose was simply this. God, I just want them to, I just want them to turn back to you. And I don't want them to turn around and say, you know what, I got right because I heard a sermon from this preacher at this conference. No, no. I got right because God spoke to my heart through his word. And now I'm making a decision. He wanted that to happen. And he said this, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. It had nothing to do with him. Elijah's posture in prayer was to bring glory to the Almighty. That thou hast turned their heart. And we know the story. Many of us have read it many times. The fire came down, consumed the altar, licked up all the water. There was no water left. And in the end, they they turned around and they said, then the fire of the Lord fell in verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench in verse 39. And when all the people saw it, They fell down on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. The last point is simply this, and I'm not going to go belabor the point for us tonight. It's simply this. There was practical proceedings after prayer. See, there was was a preparation for prayer. There was a, a posture in his prayer, but afterwards his job wasn't finished. It continued on. There was another thing that they needed to address. And interestingly, this is one that we usually skip over as preachers because it's, it's very brutal and it's very disgusting. He takes, he takes the prophets of Baal, he takes them to a river, and he cuts their heads off. He so, why don't you belabor that? Like, why don't you bring that into it? Simply this is that Um, One, it's gruesome, but it's important to understand those practical applications after prayer. Because he's saying to God, God, I want you to understand that, I want them to understand that you drew them back to yourself. I, I want this miracle to happen because we want to bring you the glory and honor. After he prays, God answers his prayer, and then after that, there's a requirement to cut off the things that caused them to get there in the first place. Does that make sense? And so the reason why he did that is so that the people will not have to go back over the bridge and go start worshipping Baal again. And so there's a practical requirement. Time and time again, we find in, 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 um, in teen camps, in young adults meetings, we find people that, that have made great decisions for God, that have prayed to God, they've repented of, of their wrongdoing and their sin, they've, they've said, you know what, I'm going to stop listening to wrong music, I'm going I'm to stop dressing this way, I'm going to stop talking this way, and they make great decisions for God, but they think that the prayer is, that the, is, is the, the, the only thing that they need to do, but there needs to be a practicality or, or practical application after prayer. So do you know what that means, teenagers? Do you know what that means, young adults, is that when when you make a decision for God and you're saying that I'm going to be set apart and I'm not going to do those things again, you're going to go home and you're going to throw away those DVDs, you're going to throw away those music, you're going to unsubscribe to Spotify, whatever it may be. Why? Because God, I want to glorify you with my life, but I know that these things could be a hindrance and therefore I'm going to get rid of it. That's the application to your prayer. Now let's take it to the extent of this week. And we'll finish off with this. Um, From my knowledge, we've given up at least 15,000 invitations. From my knowledge. Many of us have prayed. Many of you have have given invitations. They've been personally invited. And you know what? Many of us will see our friends on the 25th on Sunday. We'll see them there. But let me encourage you, church. Your prayer isn't finished. It's practical application. God, I want them to be there. What, so we can fill a number? Is that what we want? No, we we want them to be there so they can hear the word of God. That someone can get saved. But if all we do on that day, on the 25th, is that invite our friends and we have over 500 people there. And that would be a great thing. Amen? I'm excited for it. You should too. Why? Because you worked for that. You labored for that. You prepared in prayer for that. You prepared physically for that. And when God answers our prayer, there needs to be a a practical application to that. And so when the time comes and the invitation is on, or when you're eating with your friend, maybe... Bring it to a spiritual context. Ask them, hey, thank you for coming, but do you know if you're going to heaven? Don't let it be a prayer that stops there and saying, okay, they came. Yes, praise the Lord. That's all I wanted. No, no, take it a little bit further and ask God to give you the wisdom to speak. Give you the opportunity to share the gospel. I know there's a lot of teenagers being their friends. Praise the Lord for that. Thank you. But there will be no point of them coming and us keeping our mouth shut and not talking to them about their soul. Does that make sense? And yes, do you know what we're doing? is We're not, we're not trying to just get everybody saved. No, no. We're trying to leave a good taste in their mouth so that they'll come again. And they'll come again. And they get to hear the gospel again. And then they get to hear another sermon again. Why? Because what we're trying to do is far more than just Southland Baptist Church. It's God. It's glory to God. 25 years, God has blessed us. He has blessed us. And and God willing, 25 more years to come. And more and more years. But every single time, let us not just stop at the answer to our prayer and that's it. No, let's work more. Let's take the next step. You know what happens at the end of this the end of this um this story? It continues on. Elijah tells the king, King Ahab. King Ahab, you got to go home because it smells like rain. And the guy's laughing in his face like it's been three and a half years. And you know what? He prays and the rain comes. And so now let's go back to our first verse and we finish off with this. I know you guys listened very well. Thank you. It says this in verse 16. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I'll tell you why it availeth much. Because there 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 was a preparation in his prayer. There was a posture in his prayer. But then there was a practical application after his prayer. There was a continuation of his faith. There was a continuation in the reliance of God. Amen? Hopefully that made sense to you. It blessed me as I studied it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the time to study the Bible. And Lord, just to, I guess, get some truth from from the Word of God and Elijah. And I pray, Lord, that you just bless us again as we take our time this evening um, to pray and to pray for um, what is going to be a great week. And Lord, we know and we trust that you do a tremendous work on, on Sunday. And thank you again for giving us the opportunity to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.